dear colleagues, dear friends, um, thank you again to be with us today. Uh, I'm very happy uh, to have uh, Dr. Sitar from Toronto um, with us. Uh, she's a brilliant medical oncologist and she uh, just uh, showed today the randomized clinical trial regarding PET FDG in muscle invasive bladder cancer. Uh, Dr. Sridhar, thank you very much to be with us today. Uh, we are very lucky to have you on our podcast. Please, can you tell us a bit about the rationale behind this study and the design you, you, how you designed your study? Great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. So <clears throat> we know that um, with muscle invasive bladder cancer, that there is a high propensity for lymph node metastases. However, these are often not detected by standard CT imaging, but yet have significant prognostic and therapeutic implications. So the rates of understaging in bladder cancer are somewhere up around 20 to 30%. So we embarked on this study to see if doing a PET scan in addition to original CT staging will improve our understanding of this disease, um, may help us to understand the response to neoadjuvant chemotherapy, and finally whether it has any impact on outcomes or what our physicians are doing. So PETMUSE was therefore an investigator-initiated prospective randomized trial, which was open in five centers across Ontario, comparing the use of standard CT plus or minus PET CT staging in patients with muscle invasive bladder cancer. Very interesting, and we all know that in in Europe right now we are we are facing the the use of of PET FDG in this setting. So um, it, we were all looking at this trial because uh, I guess it it may help us to understand how to to manage uh, with PET FDG. What were the results of the study? Right. So I think that there were a couple of really interesting results of the study. And I think the one thing that I'm really excited to see just in terms of the management of bladder cancer overall mm -hmm. was that whether patients got PET CT or standard CT, the use of neoadjuvant chemotherapy was upwards of about 60%. And so this makes me excited because I think that there are many benefits and advantages to giving neoadjuvant chemotherapy. And I feel like we're finally doing this, mm -hmm. right? Um, and indeed, we saw similar things in the VESPER study where rates of neoadjuvant chemotherapy are encouraging. So that was one of the important findings, I think, of this study that I didn't know or expect to we find. Not expecting yeah. It, yeah. So, so that was really good. We found in this study that patients in the PET-CT arm were more likely to not have received the expected treatment compared to the no PET-CT arm. So there were some changes in what people did based on the PET-CT scan, but it didn't reach statistical significance. Um, there were, however, three times more patients receiving palliative intent treatment in the PET-CT arm compared to the no PET CT arm. And that could be because you were detecting disease that you didn't see on CT scan. So that changed your management or changed what you did. I think we did do a very interesting neoadjuvant subsetty where patients had PET scans at baseline and patients with PET avid disease at baseline who underwent neoadjuvant chemotherapy had another PET after two cycles. And what we found, we reported this previously, was patients who had a PET response, be a complete response, partial response, that was correlated with improved disease-free survival and improved overall survival. So perhaps mm -hmm. PET 
need not be used in every patient at baseline because, of course, there's economic implications of that. But perhaps in patients with more aggressive local disease, T3 disease, it may be worthwhile knowing what the nodal status is. Um, And it may be worthwhile looking at whether PET can give us an early indication of treatment response. Thank you very much. And I think this is, uh, this is a, you, you raise a really good point regarding the positive, note positive patients. Uh, do you think that PET, uh, is a, is a great, um, is a great imaging for these patients on how do you do in your, in your daily basis clinical activity when you, when you finally have a, a positive notes on PET, um, at the time of, of your assessment? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think this node positive disease in bladder cancer is evolving into an entity in and of itself. So we know in muscle invasive bladder cancer, patients with node positive disease do a bit worse. In metastatic disease, patients with node positive disease do a little bit better. So in my practice, when I have someone with node positive disease, I offer upfront neoadjuvant chemotherapy. The other thing that's unique about what we do We're a center where we do a fair amount of bladder sparing as well. So after new adjuvant chemotherapy, we reassess the patients. Both my radiation oncologist and urologist, sort of in a multidisciplinary fashion, will offer the patient either cystectomy or, in some cases, bladder sparing. Um, And what we're seeing is that patients who are candidates for bladder sparing these days are changing a little bit instead of those who are very frail, very old, that the surgeons don't want to go near. Now we're seeing a younger demographic of patients who basically are fit and healthy and cisplatin eligible who want to keep their bladder. So I think having good upfront imaging where we really understand the disease and the distribution of the disease may help us choose treatments and may help outcomes. I, I completely agree with you. And uh, we are looking forward for for um, uh, to to stratify a bit better our patients to to get them uh, to tap uh, PET FTG. Do you uh, last question? Um, where do you see PET FTG in the future? Do you do you have do are you expecting new trials uh, with PET FTG for muscle invasive bladder cancer patients? Yeah, I think we will slowly start to see it come in to give us a better understanding of the disease because I think that we are doing much better in terms of our neoadjuvant treatment approaches. We're seeing some exciting drugs coming along. And so I think if we have better imaging, better drugs, I think that might translate into better outcomes. Um, certainly in the metastatic setting, sometimes we will use PET scans to help us understand if there's oligometastatic disease or disease that we can maybe target locally, like more metastases, directed therapies creeping in its way, creeping into bladder cancer as well. So, so I think there's multiple potential applications of PET uh, as we go forward. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tukala, for, for your time and for this uh, very, uh, very interesting um, idea and this trial that will definitely help us to design new studies uh, in the future. Thank you very much for everything. Great. Thank you so much for having me. It's been exciting.